0: Hi, Natalie.
1: Hello. Hi. Hi, my how
0: nice you. can you hear me? Yeah. Yes. Okay. Um, we just wait a few more minutes and then we we'll start. All right. Yeah. Okay. Thanks for joining me once again, though. Thank you.
1: (laughs) My pleasure.
0: Sandra
2: I'm just coming. hi
0: Sandra hi hello <laughs> can you hear me? Hello, can you hear me?
3: Hi Sandra.
0: Hello. Hi, can, you can you hear me? Yes. How are you?
3: I'm very well yourself.
0: Good, good, thanks. Thanks. Um, I think we we'll start now. Um, I think that's all, okay. I think, Natalie, can you hear me? We're stuck now, I think we're all here. Okay, okay. Thank you, thanks everyone. Thank you for taking our time today to join um, the sixth edition of Have Your Say, when we get to speak out. So thank you everyone who has taken our time to their busy schedule to join us tonight. And so we're continuing on the topic, um, empowering the black female gender, okay? So I think we had the discussion uh, within the, I think the fourth session of this event. So we talked a little bit about it, but uh, just because of time, We didn't cover the whole spectrum, right? So that's why we're having the same discussion today. We're focusing on how do we begin to empower the Black female gender, right? So um, thank you, everyone, those listening by podcast, Facebook and YouTube. Thank you. And also those logged in by Zoom in as well tonight. So as always, I have amazing guest speakers with me. I'll get them to speak a little bit more about themselves in a minute, but I would introduce them briefly, okay? So I have with me Dr. Natalie. And Dr. Natalie is the uh, current uh, Chief of Staff of Simba Group. So Simba Group is a family business which focuses on hospitality, energy, telecoms, real estate and a foundation. So Dr. Natalie has recently joined the Women India Chamber of Commerce and Industry. Okay. And so she's a lady with so many hats on. And so also she is a founder of Miss Cups, right? And also a co-founder of Energy Grow and Handyman. I'll get her to you know elaborate about her project a little bit more. And also based on our work she's been recognized globally okay and so she is be, be recognized uh, with organizations like Forbes and also the World Bank. And also the Bill Gates Foundation and the world economy so and um, so for her work in you know empowering the black uh, women as well, so Dr Natalie uh, thank you for taking our time to be a guest in our show tonight. Thank you very much thank you for having me okay so my second guest speaker as well so she's a lady with so many hats on and so dr sandra na is the ceo of qubit 8 empire so a mental health organization and a relationship management organization as well so she's a trained uh um, a counselor as well with a master's degree in education technology. So she is a speaker, right, and advocate for mental health awareness. And also, she is also passionate about uh, marriage, relationship, and also uh, entrepreneurship as well. And so also, she has an organization where she empowers women. So I'll get her to speak a little bit more about it in a minute. So, um, Sandra, you're welcome to the show tonight. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you. So, and uh, so this would be kind of a relaxed environment, right? Kind of, um, informal and formal, right? So I want to be uh, interactive as much as, as much as we can as well. And uh, so our audience, uh, they're all listening and some of them are mute as well. Okay, so I'll the way it would go, I will throw the first question to Natalie, right, and I'll pass the same question to you, right, and also if anyone wants to chip in, and those who have logged in, and let me know, so if no, we'll move on to the next question, right? Okay. So, um, like, it's a Friday evening, so it's it's informal. So let's just be relaxed and talk about these issues. <laughs> All right. so, so, Dr. Natalie, so I'll come to you first. Okay. So do you want to just tell us about um, what you're into, your projects, and what you do at the moment? Do you want to just tell us a little bit more about it?
1: Sure. So my name is Dr. Natalie Biteture. I'm a Ugandan woman and I'm chief of staff of Simba Group, which is a family business, and we work in hospitality and telecom mainly. And then I'm also a founder of several different businesses here in Uganda. Enagro is an asset financing company that provides assets to entrepreneurs who need a loan. So if someone say has a shop and they want to buy a fridge for their shop, but they can't afford the fridge they come to Enagro and we process a loan for them. We give them the fridge and some financial literacy training and of course how to operate the fridge and then they pay us back over time. Um, Handyman Uganda is a company that is like a handyman agency. Musana Carts provides solar powered street food vending carts. So to local street food vendors in Uganda, we also provide training with the carts. So each cart comes with a fridge and a stove and a light bulb that's solar powered so that the vendors can work safely at whatever time. And then we provide financial literacy training, marketing, hygiene and sanitation training, customer service training. Um, Business Revolution is a business program for young entrepreneurs in Uganda. Um, On the program, I interview established entrepreneurs and also budding entrepreneurs and they tell their story and their challenges so as to inspire and teach the young business community here. And then I also have a company called Her, which is a mentorship platform for young women, where I provide business training and skills through courses, as well as live interviews, articles, and videos. And it's an online community where women can share their businesses and ideas, their career challenges, and we discuss them so as everyone can grow and move forward. I think that's everything. (laughs) I think, yeah, everything is not shared, but it's a
0: lot. a lot in there okay um we'll come back to you know the you know the projects a little bit more so um to you sandra um do you want to tell the audience uh, what you're into your projects as well
3: yes um just very quickly my name is sandra na i am a mom and a wife so that has really propelled me to do most of the things that i do you mentioned something that um I am into relationship management. I love that a lot because um, there's this vicious cycle that is going on in Africa where a girl gets pregnant and she stays with her mother, then she ends up not getting married or she gets into an abusive marriage. And that is why I started COVID-8 Empire. So COVID is love. So I just wanted to share love in marriages and relationships to tell people, Africans, that, listen, we are different. We need to learn how to maintain that culture of staying married so that it could affect our children positively. Okay, I started that when I came back to Nigeria about a um, years ago. And I stayed in South Africa for about 10 years, and I did learn a lot about the diverse culture where most children are at home having babies, you know. And that just propelled me to start this. And also I have a workshop, a support group that I run for women once a month which I call um, women and half. So I believe that a woman can be a woman and half. I don't want you to be a woman. I want you to be more than you can ever be. So this has pushed me to start that support group. So what we do is basically empowerment and skill acquisition. So we help women not to stay at home, but to get something going. So either you're married, single, it doesn't matter. We just want you to have that confidence in yourself that it can be better than who you are right now even if you do not have an education. So mm-hmm. we help them to learn a skill. So based on a particular skill, like last month we did soap um, um, making and all of that. So they were able to learn things that can empower them to start a business and feed their children, mm-hmm. even when the man is there. So that kind of gives them confidence. And mm-hmm. also we have a, a platform online where they meet and sell. I call it marketplace. The marketplace is a place where you need to sell. So I bring in buyers and I bring in sellers. And these are women that have, they're vulnerable, I must say, they're vulnerable. And because of that, they don't have all the, what it takes to go market online, like Instagram. So I give them that platform, they're able to speak out and empower themselves. In a nutshell, that is who I am. And that is what
0: I do. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Thanks for that, Sandra. Um, so we, I don't know if anyone has, um, I think, it's, uh, is it Watson, Mr. Watson? You're mute. Okay. All right. We get cracking now, right? Um, okay. Hello. <laughs> Hello, Mr. Hi.
4: Yes, I can hear you.
0: Okay. Do you have any comments at this time before we get on with the questions?
4: No, I don't have any comments.
0: Okay, all right then. Okay. Um okay. And um, so we come back to you uh, Dr. Natalie, right? So obviously you're in Africa and I know you've you know been in states as well and you've you know been in UK so you have this broad view of how the work function isn't it? when you compare to Africa and the Western world as well. So in your own view, so how do you compare and contrast gender inequalities right, between
1: African and the Western
0: countries?
1: It's a very interesting question because it's good to see how others do something so you can learn from their mistakes and also from their successes. I feel like the Western world has moved quite quickly in the area of gender equality. They've not yet achieved it at all, but they are moving there faster than we are. I feel like African culture is still holding us back. There is a lot of resistance. Of course, all over the world, men are resisting the rise of women. But in Africa, there is still more resistance because they are culturally enforced and backed up in keeping the patriarchy intact and making sure women do not move into the workforce or do not achieve greater heights professionally or do not Mm. get more power or control or influence in the societies and the economy. So Mm. I think small steps are happening. There are a few good examples of leaders, of male allies, of women who are growing and especially African women. I'm always so impressed to see all over the world, African women are really making moves now. There are so many African women who are being promoted, who are in roles of leadership, who are in the limelight more and more often. And it's great because it encourages younger girls and younger women and all their peers to keep striving. It's changing slowly, but it's really changing slowly in Africa. We need more to be done. We need more policies to be changed. We need more women's empowerment. We need more men who are in leadership positions to open the doors for us. Because it's such a hard process and it takes much longer if it's only women in the struggle. So we need more male allies to be sure that they provide opportunities, they provide mentorship, they provide guidance to women because we are just as capable. And now there's even studies that show how businesses thrive and do better if there are more women involved. So the diversity card is being played and it is showing that it's a true theory that when you involve women, things work out better for you. So we have Mm -hmm. the science to back it up now. We have the statistics and now we've got some experience in the workforce. So Mm -hmm. I think the only way is upwards for us. It's just quite a big distance for Africa. Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah, I think you've said it all there. I think the cultural, African cultural uh, is a big barrier. Uh, So, But do you think, we can really I don't want to use the word eradicate culture um, so culture will always be a part of the, you know the African society isn't it the ten, 10 years to come do you think we can you know um meet the way we play on culture in the, in the near future even with the science and the statistics to, to back that you know women are capable? that you think that uh, the culture will be played down a bit, even in 10 years to come, if we push so hard?
1: Oh yes, definitely. I think it can adapt because you don't need culture. There is value in traditions and understanding why, but Mm. it needs to adapt. We cannot just continue things as they were because that's how it used to be. That's Mm. not a valid reason. And that is not culture, if you ask me. Mm. I think we have to adapt and evolve according to what is important to society and how the values are changing so that those who are sticking to the old school guns find themselves outnumbered and out of place because the world has moved on. And I think it's happening slowly. It's just happening very slowly because for our culture to shift, young men also need to start to shift. And as much as they're now, growing up in a generation where women are their peers in everywhere they turn in school, in work, at home, women can keep up and can do what men are doing. So I think mm-hmm. our generation is probably the first generation in Africa where that is the case. Whereas the okay. generations before us women, as soon as you left school, you start to see fewer women if you are a man, because yeah. just, we were just not in the numbers that we are now. So mm-hmm. that is happening. But the problem is the young men only have the older generation who are mentors and there's still a lot Mm. of toxic masculinity happening and that's what's being passed on. So that shift needs to change. I think as more women are in the workplace, they will raise their sons better, but that is now 30 years late for us who are already working. So I think the culture can adapt and shift, but we need more men to start to shift and to teach the new principles to the current generation. Okay, that's a good one. Yeah, we need more men to shift.
0: Okay. And Sandra, so we, we come back to you on the same question. So you two, you've been in the diaspora as well. You've been in South Africa, and also other European countries as well. And you can compare and contrast. So how do you compare and contrast the inequalities, gender inequalities between Africa and the Western world?
3: Well, I would want to look at it in two ways, because when you say Africa, I would say some African countries, okay. you know, South Africa opened my eyes a lot. It is an African country, but the women, there have boys more than the women, for example, in Nigeria. So, for example, a woman is growing up in the UK and she has a, a brother. There is nothing like um, gender inequality as much as it is in Nigeria. Because, you know, just like Dr. Napoli mentioned, it, it, it's changing slowly. But there are some very rural areas in my country, Nigeria, for example, like in the northern part of Nigeria, where the child, a boy child, is given access to education more than the girl. So the father says, you go to school, you're the boy, you help the family, you have a girl, you start home. So we have been affected by things like early marriage. Things like um, the lack of access to services, education, um, I, I believe that if you don't go to school as a woman, you did not do primary school, it's going to be very difficult for you to send your child. But a woman mm-hmm. that has attained a particular level of education, naturally with the way we're created, we want he, her child to do better. Yeah. For me, in comparing and contrasting, some African countries are really beginning; They are really doing it. But some are still struggling a lot, especially in West Africa, generally. Because in West Africa, there is patriarchy. It is on the high side where a child of seven is getting married to a man of 70 years old. And he, she is like the fifth, fourth wife. So what is the case of that child So in comparing and contrasting, I would say that in in the UK, in all parts of the European world, they are doing great, basically, in terms of gender inequality. But in Africa, we need government to intervene, we need government to intervene, we need mothers, fathers to intervene, and we need, as a community, to come together to start changing the norm.
2: Mm, mm,
3: mm. yeah we need to start changing we as individuals need to start from our home we need to start making the change you know because the more women we bring up to be empowered to be nurtured to be in government for example to be in good places of authority Mm. that woman wants to drag another woman along so that chain needs to be supported so that we africans especially western africa can rise up to have that empowerment just like other African countries. Getting close to European countries, mm, we're getting there just like you got to said, and we'll get there eventually, maybe in years to come. But what is happening now is quite encouraging. Okay.
0: That's good. And thanks for that. I think you've said it as well that we we the change needs to start from individuals as well and the communities and also the ruler re- leaders. Um, so the chiefs and the and the um, community leaders as well. So they need to start with that change, and hopefully, uh, it will be like you know a network chain around. Okay. Um. Any comments from the audience?
5: Um. I've got one, Matilda. Okay. Uh, I'm. Um... I'm um, uh, Dr. Um, I just chip in because uh, Sandra spoke about the norms and um, Natalie spoke about how they have been encouraging people into business. I think, um, you know, I'm a man, and uh, as I always tell my daughter, I've got three, three wives in my house, so their mom and uh, my daughters, so... Um, I'm going to take it in the context of Africa, understand that we still have the norms, um, the cultural norms, the culture, the leaders that intervene. But now, with the experience you have had abroad,
2: I'm
5: more interested on how to empower the women in the diaspora. Because okay. it looks or it seems that um, when I see my peer around here, um, most of the ladies, even um, I call my daughters or sisters, they're just happy with what they've got. Um, they don't really push themselves to go and um, to meet the requirements or you just say to struggle and rise above the challenge. So how do you see it both of you, of women in the diasporas, the new generation, as uh, uh, Natalie just said, um, they're born in the 70s because our mom, there's no chance. But the middle generation, those who are 30, 35 today, and uh, the younger generation, I don't see them really taking seriously to rise above the challenge which are set in this part of the world. Over to you. What do you think? Have you made any assessment over there? Please share with us.
0: Okay. so Natalie, do you want to answer and then we'll move to
1: Sandra? Yeah. Sure. I really agree. It's a big challenge. When I was 19, I went to work at a rural school in Uganda, deep in the village. And I taught at a girls' school and I was teaching these teenage girls. And it was a life-changing experience for me because I had grown up going to international schools. I had traveled all my life and I had grown up in a family of business. So I was very proactive about solving my own problems. And when I encountered these teenage girls and spoke to them and spent time with them, I was so discouraged by their lack of ambition. They didn't even know that they could dream bigger. And I found that to be a major, major challenge. I think the problem of the role society is playing and our culture in Africa is holding back women mentally. There's no actual physical resistance or Incap- incapacity. There's nothing we cannot do, but we do not believe we can do things. And this starts from a very young age, because from my point in Africa, especially in rural Africa, which is the majority, girls are only taught that your role is ever going to be in the home. The only thing you should ever aspire to is to be married and be at home with your children. Maybe you learn mm-hmm. to dig. Maybe you have friends. Very very few. Maybe you grow and have a small saloon business or something. But the idea of a girl from a rural village to make it to the capital city of her country or to make it internationally, there are so few. The ones who have made it out are so few. They fought against all kinds of odds. They had support from their family or their friends or some benefactor. But we are taught from such a young age that this is where you should aspire to be. It's such a small box we put girls in. So they don't even know that they need to be resilient and they need to be ambitious and they need to try harder. And when I ask them different questions, try and understand where is this coming from? They're not exposed to things. Now we have the Internet. As women who have lived all over the world, I can learn from women anywhere in the world. I can use YouTube. I can use Facebook. I can see what other women are doing and be inspired. These girls are only exposed to church and football. That is what is rampant in villages. So they're not shown or taught. And unfortunately, the church does not have female leaders. So they only see other women working in markets, working as mothers, and that's as far as their mind can dream. So how do we expect them to rise up to different challenges when they don't even know that these challenges exist or that they are an option for them? So it starts from when they're very young. And I really push parents to not limit their daughters. I think I'm so grateful and I'm so blessed that my father treated me like a boy. I was the first born, And he just decided you know what too bad she's a girl i'll treat her how i was going to treat my son Mm. so i grew up not knowing i'm a girl not feeling less than Mm. i'm a woman and i think Mm. that gave me a huge advantage when i started working because i am entitled i feel i have the right to be there and when i encourage and mentor young women now i'm just discouraged by the lack of self-belief They are so scared. They are such brilliant women. They have so much enthusiasm. They are so smart. They are so capable, but they are so scared. They do not feel they have the right or that they're entitled to have businesses or careers or to dream big. And the first barrier I always have to walk through with them is their own self-esteem. Most of the time, women do not even need skills or coaching. They just need encouragement. Once you encourage them, you unlock so much. They're able to read, to learn, to grow, to move. Once they are told, you have permission to be who you are and to want these things for yourself and to dream big and to grow yourself. Mm -hmm. And that's what is lacking in our culture. We do not encourage girls to be themselves, to be ambitious, to have big dreams. We put the burden on boys from when they're young. One day you have to look after a family, so you have to learn how to work. No one is telling Mm -hmm. girls that. One day you Mm -hmm. have kids, you have to learn how to cook and to clean. Those are not useful (laughs) skills in this day and age. Girls can be anything. But it's something that we have to change in our culture to encourage from day one. Then they will know what they're capable of and they will start to learn the skills to overcome the challenges to achieve those dreams. But without Mm. the dream, they have no motivation to learn these things. So I think that's Mm. where it has to start from.
0: Yeah,
1: yeah,
0: yeah. So um, Sandra, what's your take on that?
1: Yeah,
3: you mentioned something very important. Thank you so much for that question because that particularly affects me like personally having been out as a woman it's a different ball game because there's so many vices there's so many challenges, there's so many things you need to overcome being away from home and trying to fit into, into the, the societal changes, into the psychological, emotional, physical changes that is happening to you before you even think of rising to have a voice before you think, can you hear me very well, Matilda? Yes, yes. Before you think of rising, before you think of becoming someone, I knew how many times I wanted to study. But at the end of the day, when I think about the papers, the deeds, at the end of the day, I'm discouraged. So what I can tell doctor with his daughters is it begins with him. He is the light. You know, he is the light that move forward to show the girl that you can fly as high as you want, that the sky is your stepping stone. I've worked with refugee women and to be honest, you know, it, it's a different world for them where they've lost everything, where they have lost even life, children, property, self-esteem and all of that. So trying to rise above it is quite a different ball game. And now women can be better if given the opportunity, even courage, like um, Dr. Naples says. But now when they are now faced with situations where they don't even know who they are, so, I'm glad that doctors children are where they are, and they are you know exposed to who they want to be. So what it needs to do is to push them to have that more confidence to be able to see other women who are in good position, even in the diaspora, to see this is what this person has become because you cannot judge them with a woman that is not in their position. It's
6: mm-hmm. only when
3: you've been there that you'll be able to say, this is how it was for me. So if you like to if you expose them to women who are out there who are making things, who are making margins, as I would call it, regardless of the circumstances they have found themselves, they will fly, Encouragement, support them, expose them, and expose them to good materials that will be able to let them know that they can fly as high as they
0: want. Thank you, Sarah. thank you. I think we have questions from the audience, uh, Mr. Watson. Do you want to unmute
4: and ask your question? And then we'll come okay. back to... Yes? Okay. okay, thank you, Matilda. Can you hear me?
0: Yes, we can hear
4: you. Yes, oh, okay. Uh, firstly, I would like to agree with the, with Sandra when she mentioned that uh, South Africa is one of the African countries that managed to, to adapt. When it comes to women's rights here in South Africa, I feel like... Uh, if we compare South Africa with other African countries, South Africa we are, is on the other level. You see, they've managed to adapt and the women here, they do have a voice. So I, I, would, I would like to agree with Sandra because I've been in South Africa for about 11 years. Originally, I'm from Zimbabwe. If, if I compare the way women are treated in Zimbabwe and the way women are treated here in South Africa, it's totally different. Women, they do have a voice here in South Africa. Secondly, uh, when the speakers uh, responded to your first questions, I think they both of them, they mentioned the word culture, the word norms, and the word tradition. So I feel like for me, those are the key words when it comes to this kind of conversation. And uh, I also feel that uh, the young generation they they don't understand the meaning of those words. You see, like for me, culture it's something that cannot be changed. We are we we are who, who we are today because of culture. You see, so I would like the speakers maybe to try to explain those three words for us. You see, I feel like if we manage to understand those words, I feel like will be able to understand when when they are uh, saying culture. Because like he, uh, the second speaker, when she answered for the second time, she mentioned the word culture several times. So I would like to hear their, their understanding of the word culture. Because I, f- I discovered that most of the people, they don't use that word correctly. Other things that they call culture, it's not culture at all, you see. So yeah, that's my contribution
0: okay okay thank you mr watson so can i mr. say something yes yes go ahead uh, uh one
2: thing, uh, one I, thing wanted I wanted to say, say it was um i feel like one thing that we're looking at um, go on um, i feel
3: like
2: one thing that we're lacking as Africans when it come to women. can you. hear me? Yes, I can. Yes, yeah, very well, Mr. Yeah. I was saying like I feel like we are actually one thing that is keeping us um behind when you when you compare to other society especially western societies and you know the asian society i believe is religion and slavery mentality we we all we all we have that ideas in our mind that one day god will come from the sky and save us Mm. and that's that one that's one of the belief that we need to stop and like one of the person said here no one will no one will do the work for us we are Mm. the ones who do the work no one will clean their house for us we are Mm. we need to clean our own house before Mm. we go outside and and you know scream our lungs black life matter Mm. and yeah that's all i wanted to say Mm.
0: that's that's a good point that's a good point um so we need to start walking doing the work ourselves isn't it and we need to um come off that mentality of um god we would do the work for us right being uh using the word believing too christian is that in, is that what you mean so we yeah. need
2: to, yeah we need to be factual okay yeah it's it's just not christian i believe it's also you know i believe uh one side some side of the african uh, some countries also are is uh, Muslims and stuff so you know I'm not really you know criticizing the religion and stuff but I just believe that the fact that we believe that one day God will come from the sky you know the why Jesus I don't know how you can say it but it will Mm. never I just want to say to people it will never happen because Mm. it does not exist honestly and we need to you know work hard and if we want one day Uh, Africa Mm. to be the new you know the new Africa that we believe it can be in the future we need to work hard and Mm. you know make that happen and you know and we need to talk less and do more actions because we we talk a lot Mm. and do less actions and we need to stop that and the slavery mentality thinking that the Chinese, the the European, the Western coming to Africa, you know, mm. to to mm. build Africa. That will never happen. They're coming because they want they want they want to feed themselves, mm. you know. Mm. 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 That's, a point. Point.
0: That's a good yeah. point. Yeah. Mm. Okay, thanks for that. So, Mister Sose, sorry you've been ha- raising up your hand for a long time. What's your question before we move to the next topic?
6: Okay, thank you so much. I think, uh, thank you f- first and foremost for giving me the opportunity to help my view concerning the conversation that is ongoing. I must congratulate the organizers of this program because this conversation is coming at the right time where majority of the African countries, especially Nigeria need help in this regard. Uh, I'm going to touch on two uh, three areas uh, I listened to one of the guest speakers, Sandra, who talks about uh, the government weighing into uh, the issue of giving uh, opportunity to women, you know, to excel. Uh, one fundamental thing that we need to be conscious of is that first, uh, European countries and African countries are totally different countries and we must understand the, the fundamentals that operates in these different uh, 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 regions. First, we I also note that um, uh, in the course of your discussion so far, or your conversation so far, none of you have actually really looked at the religious aspect of our culture. Uh, uh-huh. The religion aspect of our culture is playing 80% of that marginalization of women. And that should be clear on the side that first, uh, one of your speakers mentioned early marriage, uh, mm-hmm. which uh, to me, it is not the fault of the guest child, rather it is the religion that has left them to have that mentality to go into that. Mm-hmm. And uh, in Nigeria, several occasions we've moved uh, We've raised advocacy policies to ensure that, okay, let's put an end to early marriage. You will discover that virtually uh, the people from the northern part of the country who are Muslims will kick against it because they feed on that. So how do you give voice to these women? All we need to do, those of you in the dashboard, is to support some of our NGOs that are in Nigeria that are working assiduously, you know, providing quality education to these people within this region. We have been doing this to liberate their mind because the first thing we need to do is to actually liberate the minds of the parents of these children. Because mm. the kids cannot actually fend for themselves and they cannot stand on their own. So mm. the first thing is to reorientate the minds of the parents to allow them to understand that they can actually educate a child. And that was they are doing that they are actually empowering the nation and empowering their families. So what we need to do is we need to synergize. The women folks need to synergize around the continent of Africa and draw up a plan for mm-hmm. get child. Because mm-hmm. going out and making protests and making advocacy, uh, we need uh, 50% representation of women in government and all that, it will not come on the platter of gold. It's mm-hmm. going to come from a, a systematic arrangement, and which will be built up within a, a period of time. Let's say 10 years, 15 years to get this mm-hmm. achieved. Mm-hmm. So early marriage cannot end because the both in the power who are in the northern part of the country who have seized themselves with religion will not allow it to control. So we need mm-hmm. to start looking at you know, engaging the stakeholders, the religious, religious people, the clergy, mm-hmm. to engage them to under mm-hmm. so for them to understand the aspect of you know giving a dead child opportunity to excel academically, because when you give a child whether male or female education, you are liberating the child, not just that child, the generation to come. So we need to start engaging the stakeholders. And also, we're discussing here, some of us are in it's the. We've been working on this. So I think um, uh, the speakers we have to, to throw more light on how they can you know, conveniently engage the, the stakeholders in the religious perspective. To ensure that these women, first and foremost, get liberation from the religion aspect before coming to the political aspect. Uh,
0: Thank you. Okay. Um, yes, that's a good one, isn't it? So, Sandra, do you want to say quick at uh, two minutes before we move to the next question? How do we engage the stakeholders? So the religion is, uh, you know, the major. Um, aspect isn't it especially in the northern part of Nigeria so we need to kind of change mindset to me my own belief changing mindset is not is 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 the job on its own right changing one's mindset but again how do we you think we can engage the religious leaders to create Thank this movement change that, that was uh, that was very great
3: and um, I'm glad that it's cited the northern part of Nigeria because we need to talk as a affects us, and we need to talk facts, okay? And that is a fact. It is so difficult to change that particular patriarchy aspect of Nigeria in that form of early marriage because the man that you're dealing with has married um four women very young, so for you to be able to change the mindset of that man is quite difficult. And I like to also involve this and imbibe it with the culture what we have in Nigeria. Now a Christian might not do that. But the other religion, however, encourages it. It is in their it is written down in their laws and it is allowed. So we as individuals, it is very difficult for us to for us to do, make a lot of changes, except it begins with us as individuals. Mm-hmm. For example, some women from that religion, um, if we're not trying to call names, have been able to come out to fight, raise awareness, create awareness in order to stop early marriage. Because it's a little girl that is in the North who is seven years old and married, I, I don't I don't know the kind of hope that we can give that child. It's very um, touching for me because the life of that child is almost gone because she's going to have a baby maybe at 12 or even earlier and she's going to get involved in raising children. And education would be a no-no at that time because mm-hmm. a mother would not have the time to go to school. And mm-hmm. now it has to be, I'm sorry, the government have to come in here. NGOs have to come in here and mm-hmm. it is off individuals that make it happen. We also know that in such religions, there are some aspects that you can go to a limit. You cannot mm-hmm. change this by yourself. It is a community of people like, it is, it, is, it is a group of people that this has been their life. In changing that norm, is it what they believe? Is it is what they think works for them. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, in Nigeria, most of them are the ones in government, so it's quite difficult. So it's for mm-hmm. us to educate our children the way we can, raise awareness where we can, mm-hmm. okay? And let the women who are in this religion also join us and help us. And just like Succes mentioned, we also have international help, you know, if they're hearing us and they can come in and say, you know what, want to support NGOs to make a difference in this area. Because basically, if the government is in charge, we as individuals, we can only speak, push and use people to make changes as much as we can. So just one day at a time, eventually, we'll get there because it is better than what it used to be, actually. okay.
0: Thank you. And uh, we're very cautious of time. So Dr. Natalie, I think uh, the next question is kind of close to the question Succes asked, right? And so I'll come back to you. Um, so what role does African society needs to play? I think we just said about that. Um, so in your own view, Dr. N- Natalie, and taking Susse's question and the other, uh, uh, Mr. Wow. Watson's question as well. And what role does society need to play in order to bridge this gap?
1: I think the words of Gandhi are the ones that are appropriate. You have to be the change you want to see in the world. You know, especially not just children. Children learn by modeling. You know, with parenting, they tell you children will do what you do, not what you tell them to do. And this is something that human beings used to learn for the rest of our lives. We learn by what other people do around us. So the best thing Mm -hmm. you can do for your society is to be a good example of what you want the world to be. Instead of just Mm -hmm. talk, talk, talking, things need to change, the government hasn't done this, help us, you be the change. You lead in the way that you want others to lead. Be the example so that the people in your community can see you and see how you do things and be like, but that's how that one is doing it. It means I can also do it. People Mm -hmm. need to see someone from their area or their situation making it and behaving in a way that is admirable then they can also live up to it. I feel like it's a bit harsh to just blame the church or blame the government. It's true, they should do more, but they're doing what they can. They have their own agenda, their own values, their own challenges. And you can see how it works out in different countries all over the world. India is a very religious country, but look how they've moved out of poverty. Look how successful they are. How many millionaires are in India? They are pushing, they're trying. So we can't just use blanket statements and also stay dependent. I think it was Inez who said that that's the attitude we have. God is coming to save us. That is something Mm -hmm. we have to change in our culture. Just because Mm -hmm. the white man came and gave us aid and is still Mm -hmm. doing it doesn't mean we just stand in lines and wait, please give me some. We also have agency. We can be proactive. We can make our own decisions. We can come up with local solutions to our own problems, but we have to take it upon ourselves. Try to begin at home. Don't wait for someone else to solve your problems or to come up with an idea or to tell you what to do do it yourself, be it yourself, stand up for yourself, listen, learn, and behave in a way that you are proud of yourself every day, because the only person you have to prove something to is yourself. And by doing that, you'll be a good example to your children, to your peers, to your community. Even those older, almost senior than you, can be inspired by what you're doing and how you're behaving. So Mm. I think when we say the role of society as a whole, society is made of individuals. If we can each live up to our own standard of what we want the world to be, what we want our community or our household to be like, then that's mm-hmm. how change starts to happen.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay. To Sandra, I think that Natalia said uh, we individuals need to start with that change, isn't it? So society maybe yeah. made of individuals. So what's your view? I totally agree. I
3: always said it begins with you, it is you that will change the in your own area of contact, you know, if you make a change, your children will make a change, your society will know you as, oh, that woman, you know, there are women leaders in the society, and it's not because of how smart they are, it's because of the examples they have set Mm -hmm. in this meeting. So I totally agree, you need to make a change from what you have learned, can you pay it forward? It's not about Mm -hmm. learning and keeping it to yourself, it's about learning and distributing to others. Because mm-hmm. when you make that change, the change just goes. It's like mm-hmm. oil, it just keeps going and going and touching others. So what mm-hmm. are you doing as an individual right now? Mm-hmm. You, you know, if, what you've learned, what are you doing to help the people who have not learned? So if we mm-hmm. all bring our little best together, mm-hmm. okay? Because at the end of the day, we blame government, but at the end of the day, I notice, you know, something I always say, sorry about the time matters, but something I always say, we blame the government sometimes, but if we're given this position, I don't know if we'll do better. Because being in power comes with a lot of you know, baggage. So now you mm-hmm. as an individual, you are your own government. You are your own community. You are your own institute. Why don't you mm-hmm. make a change which begins with you? Teach, mm-hmm. learn, educate, impact, face mm-hmm. forward. And mm-hmm. I think if we do that as a community, we'll start to mm-hmm. make changes and empower each other. But our own little drop of water is to make a mighty ocean. Mm-hmm.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Okay, all right then. Okay, I'm cautious of time. Um, there's one more question at the end. I think that was Mr. What's the question? Once I think I'll throw that back at the end of the show. So, uh, to Natalie. So we're back. We're back now. We've said the challenges. What we need to do. So we're coming into the nitty gritty now, right? The entrepreneurship and all that. And so, so the question to you, Natalie. So despite these challenges, how were you able to build a foundation business which focused on women development?
1: Um, I think for me it happened organically because I started doing these videos um, about business and like small tips on just on my social media. I started getting requests from women on Facebook, on Instagram, sending me messages, asking questions, wanting to meet me. So I started doing like these quick little meetings with one-on-ones with different young ladies who had businesses and just wanted advice. And soon I started to realize they're asking me the same questions over and over. And I think it would be more efficient if we did it in a group. So we made a WhatsApp group and we discussed different topics and issues and challenges women are facing in business or in their careers. And soon the Facebook group, the WhatsApp group grew too big. So we had to move it to Facebook. So now Mm. it's a Facebook group where it's a platform for women to put up their businesses, ask questions. I post videos and articles and we discuss things. And then I also started to record courses so that you can take the videos in order so that you learn the foundational skills that will help you in your business, in your career. And it happened organically for me, but also because I see the need as an employer In Simba Group, I do a lot of interviews, I manage a lot of people, and I see a lot of the challenges women are facing in their careers with their confidence, with their skills, with balancing work and home, trying to navigate these things. And we don't Mm -hmm. have a culture of being open and sharing challenges, I feel like in Africa. It's always share your success, but keep quiet about problems. But we have to be able to discuss our problems and our failures so we can all learn from them and grow. And so we started having meetups every few months the ladies would all come over to the hotel and we just have an afternoon where we discuss things no agenda we are just chatting about issues and to see how women can connect so quickly when one woman says oh i had this problem at home or this problem with work how are other ladies doing it and so many be like oh my goodness even may I have that problem how are you managing mm-hmm. having a baby and studying and working how are you managing mm-hmm. being a boss to men how are you managing these similar similar issues And I quickly realized it's not me that these ladies need, it's each other. We needed a community where we can share our stories, we can ask questions, we can feel safe to explore these things so that we can all learn and grow. I was lucky to have mentors who are women above me, who I could turn to for guidance, for advice, when I'm scared, when I'm sad, when I don't know what to do. And they'd always encourage me and show me how they did it. So I feel like as women, we need this kind of a system that supports ourselves and supports each other. And that's how we will grow and move forward. You know, they say, if you want to go quickly, you go alone. But if you want to go far, go together. And I feel like as women, we have a long way to go. We have come from far. I am grateful for all those who walked before us. We can vote, we can walk, we can wear trousers, but we still have a long way to go. So we have to unite women and support each other and encourage each other in this struggle because it's not a quick one. We're going to lose energy we're going to need encouragement, we're going to fall down and we need other women to continue to pick us up because that's the only way we're going to be able to push past this huge barrier, this break, this glass ceiling that is so thick and is still resisting and is still present even in 2020. So we have to stick together and try to build a foundation in itself of solidarity and sisterhood so that we encourage each other and support each other and provide each other opportunities because you know men have been doing this for each other for hundreds of years so we have to stop fighting among ourselves stop fighting the men and use our energy in a positive way to move forward
2: (laughs) i think yeah that's a good one
1: (laughs) right so
2: yes go on then Go Yeah, also one thing about like, I'm just going to say, I'm I'm just going to say overall as well, one thing that we need to do as a Black community is not about Nigerian community or Congolese or Angolan community. I think overall community, what we need to do, if we want to win, man, we want to win so bad, we need to unite and unity will actually empower us as well. And I feel like, one thing that we also lacking as black communities that we don't, you, we, we're not supportive when it comes to our own people, when it comes to our own black businesses, when it comes mm-hmm. to our own black voices, we, mm-hmm. we try to, you know, what's the word I can I can think of? We try to bash a lot of when, black, when some black people are standing up, you know, speaking the truth and Mm. we go against it why because Mm. we still have that mental slavery mentality that is still Mm. going on and Mm. also one thing the other question that we were discussing I just want to see also I want to say something that we need to we need to put the leaders accountable we need to you know pressure those leaders the church leaders the government the communities mm. there i don't know the the tribe you know mm. Mm. we need to make so to you know to force them to change to make mm. changes not only mm. for the the old generation but our generation look i'm 20 years old the mm. younger generation so mm. the u- unity was actually empower us. It's not yeah. about Nigeria, South African, Uganda, mm. no. It's about black community mm. together. Yeah. One, one, one black community, one Africa. So yeah, yeah that's all I want to say.
0: Thank you, thank you very much. I think you said it all. For 20 years old, mm, you said it. <laughs> what was I doing when I was 20? I can't remember now. <laughs> that. Right. So uh, cautious of time, cautious of time. So back to you, Sandra, and the question. Um, So despite these challenges, how were you able to build your own foundation and your business?
3: Okay. It first started with mental health. I am a psychosocial counselor, but I'm very much aware of the state of health. And when it's not um, complete, like WHO says, it has to be complex, it has to be mm-hmm. social, emotionally, mm-hmm. physically, and all of that. So mm-hmm. if you're not mentally stable and mentally able to understand the social um, path and be happy, okay, it's difficult mm-hmm. for you to be in business. That's basically, you need to be happy, understand yourself to be able mm-hmm. to move forward, not talk of, you know, empowering yourself. So instead of mental health, I talk about it as a what if women have, a woman you'll be alone or whatever situation you're going to, women need sisterhood. So I started a group called Sisterhood and it grew so big. I just felt that you know, women need, to someone to, you know, need someone to talk to, to encourage them and to support them. You know, if they're not getting the support from home or from brothers, sisters, husbands, can we be in a group, a support group where you can get help? Can you get somebody to talk to you when you're feeling blue when your business has failed, when you failed, when you have low confidence or low mm-hmm. suffering. So from there we went on and we talked, and we found that relationship has a lot of role to play in women um, not doing well. And after that we found out that empowerment and money as a problem is a problem for women. So women are not doing well because they don't have money, they don't have empowerment. So that is how I started my business. I thought about making it a relationship, entrepreneurship, and um, an empowerment business where women can get that support that they need. So I decided to give them skill acquisition. And that is how we started. So if a woman has, okay, a woman did not get an education, for example, it shouldn't be all, it shouldn't be finished for her. There should be room for her to develop. By learning something with her hands, learning what to do, And if she can do this, she can feed her children. And that is how my business started. And for now we have grown so large and we have women who started from making soap, you know, hand wash, dishwasher, started from Mm -hmm. making um, herbal drinks, Zobo, abyssal, yeah? From things Mm -hmm. they can have, making their kitchen, from selling honey. And these Mm -hmm. men have so empowered themselves. So I went to skill acquisition and we're still winning with that. Because when a woman Mm -hmm. has an income,
0: so our case is different, basically. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. that is what i Okay. Thank you. Um. So we are going to move on to the last question of the day, right? So there was this question that was raised by one of the audience. Um. I think he wanted to understand what um the word culture meant. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So um. So I think uh, from his understanding, he just went to hear from you know the speaker's view, the meaning of culture and how that applies. Do you want to take on that? Um, do you want to take on that, uh, Sandra? And then we'll go back to Natalie.
3: Yes, culture. You know, funny, every tribe has a culture. The you know even when we break it down to our communities, to our society, even inside Africa. Like a country, like Uganda, there's a culture of each group, (laughs) you know? So it's quite a problem, uh, you know, because the culture is being tuned into your ear at a very early age. You're told the Igbos, for example, in Nigeria, the Igbos do this. The Igbos do it this way. The Igbos marry early. So as a little girl, you know, the Igbos cook well. You know, all those kind of things kind of affect you. So you grow up with this kind of expectation that you want to fulfill and feel into your mother's shoes. There are some cultures that affect us in Africa. I will mention a few. For example, um, genital mutilation. We know that it is a culture that affects us in Africa. It is a tradition that we yeah. cannot let go. It is still being practiced in yeah. so many African countries. Yeah. Early marriage, I would like to say, is also part of our culture in Africa. So you are 35, you do not married, and your aunties are asking you, would you want me to take you for someone to pray for you? and get all the spirits out of your head. Because at 35, you should be married with children. So it is part of the culture that holds women down. So even if she wants to do her doctorate, she can't because they will tell you, with doctorate who will marry you, like seriously. People are having babies in their husband's house, you're busy chasing a doctorate degree. Okay, when you finish that, we're being taught that if you're not married in your husband's house, you have not achieved anything at a certain age. So that is one of the cultures
2: that affects us and it puts
0: us into this box okay. and make us so okay. scared, you know, right. from Okay, I think we're all, also Dr. N- Natalie, the last question, what advice do you have for the black women and for any young uh, listeners out there?
1: That's a great question. I think young black women and all young Africans and young people especially, We have to believe in ourselves more. We also have something to contribute, but we can't be passive about it. Too many young people feel entitled to things when they've not earned anything. They've not put in the work or the time. I feel like we need to make time and use the most of our resources that we have. Learn from the people around you, learn from the internet, read books, watch YouTube, try and push yourself to grow so that you can also contribute so that when you have an opportunity, you're ready to step into it and you can succeed at it. Nothing is going to be handed to us. We have to change this dependency mentality. Don't just wait for something to be given to you or to be appointed or for things to change. Be the change you want to see in the world. But that change takes effort. It takes resilience. It takes energy and hard work. And that's not something we should run away from or try to dodge. Young Africans are really trying to make quick money or try and be famous quickly. You have to put in the work. You have to put in the time. You have got to be able to be proactive about your life, about your career, set goals, have a mentor, hit your targets. It's important to keep going because also the more you can learn and grow and achieve to give you more momentum and more confidence to continue and to do more and to take a bigger position or to become a leader in your community. And that's what we need because our population is growing so fast. Young Africans have to step up. We have to try harder. We cannot just wait for the older generation to hand things to us. We should spend this time preparing, training. You know, as the rappers say, not be in the
2: gym.
1: When it's time for the game, you won't be ready. So spend the time that you have using the resources you have, whether it's few MBs in your phone, whether it's a book, whether it's a person you can ask for advice. Do what you can to learn and grow and push yourself. Because this youth is not. And it's when you have so much time and so much energy. So make the most mm. of it. But when opportunity, mm. you're ready to step up and you'll be able to succeed.
5: Mm-hmm.
0: Thank you. Thank you so much. I think you said oh, <laughs> uh, we have to, you know, dependency mentality. So over to you, Sandra. Uh, what advice do you have for the young listeners out there?
3: Okay. I would say they should step away from the belief. They should step away from the color of their skin. Okay, yeah. it doesn't matter that you're black when we're doing black lives matter, black hearts matter also. You need to inside mm. your heart from the deep, deepest part of your soul to believe that you can be better than any color of skin. Mm. So, our skin color kind of limits us, and we we'll think because we're not this color, especially those you know outside the country, outside their country, we we'll think because we're not this color, we cannot do better. So, we have mm. to aspire to be better, we have to make a move. Mm better because some part of the um, the world think we're lazy. Africans are not lazy. We're the most hard-working, smart, you know, people in the world. Well, because we do not have you know the exposure that other countries have at an early stage. But it doesn't matter. Let's not look back. Let's look forward. Let's move. Let's empower ourselves. Empower each other and move away from our beliefs. We have the beliefs where this, belief, where that. No more. We are winners, we are leaders, we can do better. Mm. Our team color doesn't limit us. Mm. That's what
0: oh. I have to say. Thank you, thank you, thank you. I think we've come to the end uh, of today's discussion. LPD, do you have any comment quickly before we round up?
5: No, 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 they have said okay. everything. The only thing I would have said is about the norms and mm-hmm. the culture and the beliefs. I think if yeah. you can work on those things, the community leaders and those one and yes. even our that in the diaspora and Sisters, that would be yeah, the norms, the beliefs. Um, those are really pulling us um behind. Yeah. that is it. It was a great talk. Yeah. Thank you very much.
0: Yes, yes, it was, as always. And thank you, Sandra, thank you, Natalie, thank you, the audience. And um, Mr. and uh, your, your comments are uh, noted, right? We'll take this forward as well. And uh, Mr. Watson, and also LBD's daughter, I think she will be one of the guest speakers next time. <laughs> Thank
5: you. She's not with me here or she's in her <laughs> home address. I don't know Is what she's
3: doing. All right, yeah, <laughs> she's,
0: she's going to be the next guest speaker. <laughs> Thank you. Okay,
5: <laughs> Thank man. you,
0: and have a wonderful evening. Thank, Thank you. you. Thank
5: you. Thanks. <laughs> Bye.
3: Bye,
0: bye, bye. Bye. Okay, bye. Bye.